Welcome in to a special AMP interview. My name is Ben Dubose. I'm your host, news editor with the AMP Publications team. Today we're joined by Gregory Muha, Director of Conferences, Exhibits, and Sponsorships at AMP. Greg, thanks for taking the time. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks, Ben. Good to be with you today. Yeah, I'm thrilled to talk to you about, well, certainly there's a lot of things going on with your job, but I think the biggest thing on your plate right now is the upcoming AMP 2023 Annual Conference and Expo in Denver, correct? For sure, for sure. Yeah, uh, I know that's nearly three months away, so we'll get into some of the highlights as we progress. But I think a good place to start before we get into specifics of the event, just introduce yourself to our audience. For anyone that doesn't know you, Greg, what's some of your background and what's your day-to-day -day role like with staff here at AMP? Sure, happy to do that. Um, I'm the obviously in, in the conferences area with, with AMP, and I have a, a long background there. I've worked in other associations for 25 plus years in the events area and uh, I've done conferences that have ranged anywhere from 150 individuals upwards of 40,000 individuals, exhibitors from 10, 15 tabletops all the way up to 2,500 exhibitors. So uh, have done you know large shows, small shows, vertically focused events, horizontal events all, all around the world. So a lot, lot of insight and, and experience there. Uh, but I've also been in associations for the bulk of my career, and I've had different roles within membership and customer service and product development, sector development. So I, I understand how associations are platforms from which members and constituents can really benefit from. And I understand how to help them harness that, how to leverage that, and look at associations as integrated platforms from which they can really drive uh, visibility within these platforms and how to showcase new products, showcase technical uh, aptitude and technical leadership and things of that nature. So uh, that's a little bit about the background part. Uh, how I got here at AMP, uh, I've been with AMP since its inception. I was part of uh, the legacy SSPC side of the, the merger. I had uh, membership, customer service, business development and publications there. And when we started out as AMP, I was the director of industry and partner engagement. So I've rolled into this position in June, effective June 20 of 2022, and really excited by it because AMP really is uh, the only place for the audiences that we serve. When you think about the, the materials industry and a lot of the corrosion protection and prevention that we've done and the coatings, protective coatings type activities that our organization has done. There's there's really not a, a place that has the similar kind of one-stop shop. So I'm, I'm really excited by what's going on. And uh, on the day-to-day -day front, I have a great team of people who have a lot of experience, professionals in the meetings, planning industry. They work with putting together conferences, working with vendors, exhibit sponsorship, putting together the types of content. So we're excited about what the possibilities could be for us for Denver and beyond. I come from the legacy NACE side of the fence, so I'm thrilled to talk to people on the SSPC side. Of course, we overlap a lot in our combined organization. When you talk to your legacy SSPC crowd, what are their takeaways for how this merger is going? And what are some of the things that, you know, when you bring an event like this together, combining NACE and SSPC and really putting the corrosion control and protective coatings communities together, what are some of the benefits that are available now that weren't there three or four years ago when these groups were separate? I think from the onset, just human natural 
response. There's a little bit of fear and trepidation about how's this going to impact me? Where is it going to fit? But I think as they pull things back and they look and see where there, there really weren't a lot of areas where the two organizations were competing. It, it, mm-hmm. It's been very complementary to each other. And I think sometimes it's just a little bit more about understanding how we can learn from each other and where there's benefits where one can lead into the other or vice versa. I'm starting to see people recognize those opportunities a little bit more now that that now that they realize, hey, there there is a place for me here, and uh, you know that the, the things that I'm used to they they're not going away. They are here. They they might look a little different. They might feel a little different. Um, so I, I would say that that's primarily what I've uh, been hearing. Um, but on the the content side, I, I think there's a lot to be learned from the, the two different sides. I mean, if you think about the the, the food chain, if you will, um, Legacy Nace had a significant amount of connections within the asset owner community. And mm-hmm. so obviously they drive a lot of the business for contractors. And Legacy NACE, or I'm sorry, Legacy SSPC, over 50% of the membership there were, were contractors. So if you think about the connection between asset owners and contractors, it's just a natural fit there. And then the, the food chain on down kind of flows from there. So I feel personally that within the confines of our event portfolio and products, we have to do everything in our power to really show value to our asset owner community, to our contractor community, because if if we're hitting the mark with them, that's going to flow on down through the the ecosystem, if you will, and that's what we're trying to do with with this year's event. You mentioned earlier about feedback that we got from the 2022 event. Um, we took that very seriously, and we did hear from our contractor community that they didn't necessarily see where they fit in in the 2022 version of the event, and some of that was just from the simple fact that when you're planning events, it's more than a 12 month cycle out. And Mm -hmm. for a lot of the written papers and the reviewed papers, you know, they're in process uh, in, you know, 2022, we were working on 2023 already. So we did realize that we needed to add some non-written paper type of content. And that's where we tried to create some focus. So we are looking to bring more content in. We do have uh, a bit more coming in for contractors and owners and other parts of our, our community. But even now, between now and the Denver event, we're still continuing to add more. I had a conversation today with another association, National Insulation Association, about bringing in uh, a, a, an oral-only type piece of content, a, a panel discussion type session on insulation and corrosion uh, under insulation and how that might uh resonate with our audience. And one of the things that they talked about doing was tying it into the contractor demographic because contractors are very important to that demographic as well. So we're looking where are some other partner organizations that we can do that with. And then we've also reached out to a lot of our members who were from those segments that were saying, hey, we didn't necessarily see ourselves in that community in, in the 2022 event. So we're trying to work with them to create types of content that would be would resonate with their peers and within their sphere of influence. And so we're we're, we're seeing some of those come in into play. And a, as a result, we we do have the peer reviewed paper sessions coming in. We've got 53 of those. It's going to amount to uh, nearly 620 paper presentations. But we've got 26 forums. We've got four workshops. 
We've got 13 amphitheater presentations that are going to happen on the show floor. Those those aren't necessarily new, but there'll be new presentations this year. Um, but what are new are what we call these informational sessions. And these are the ones that are primarily geared toward the contractors, things that would help them on the business side of what they're doing. Um, so, so those we're going to have for this year. And then we'll have some of the research and progress uh, sessions and, and topical symposia. Uh, we'll have student poster sessions again, standard committees coming with us again, uh, over 25 of those, uh, 29 technical committees and communities of interest. That's something that's completely new. And that, that's been a real benefit from the merger where these, these communities of interest can pop up anywhere. And uh, so I know our colleague Dustin Young has been working really hard with that uh, area and, and Heather Hill and the membership team to bring the communities of interest to life. So we're going to have 29 of those type activities going on. Um, we have a new hosted buyer event this year where uh, Megan Leva from our team and Tiffany Krevix, they're working to match um, exhibitors with the types of people that they want to most see. So the benefit is, is that the 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 folks that the buyers want to see, they'll be uh, effectively offering a stipend for those individuals to be be able to attend our event. So that's a completely new element this year. And then we also have this student and young professional track, which is pretty exciting. There's there's a lot of topics that fall under that. Things like resume writing, some things around personal branding, uh, standards, how how they can get involved why they might want to use them, why they're important to use them in their work. So kind of a little opportunity to get to, to know standards, why they're important and, and get them involved in that process. And then some things on the leadership front, how to, uh, you know, build your leadership skills and, and uh, things of that nature. Um, and then on the exhibit floor for that group, we do have a special area called the quad area that's on the exhibit hall, and that'll be dedicated to the students and young professionals. So those those are all you know great new things. And then the the last element of the the content piece, if you will, the the emerge career fair. You know, uh, Kim Ray and her team have done a great job with the emerge program. There's a lot of enthusiasm, excitement around that, and I'm I'm thrilled that they're gonna leverage the platform again this year. So they'll have a career fair. And let's be honest, I mean, I'm sure you hear this all the time, Ben. Every one of our member companies, all of our constituents, one of the biggest issues that they're facing is workforce development. Where are we going to get the next generation yep. of talent? How do we recruit them? How do we train them? How do we retrain them? And then how do we retain them? So we're looking for ways to have all those elements showcased in the technical program within the exhibits and some of the sponsorships that we have. So I know I threw a lot at you there, but yeah. I, I did feel compelled to just kind of share that around the program. Yeah, absolutely. We appreciate the background. For those just joining, we're talking now with Greg Muha, Director of Conferences, Exhibits and Sponsorships at AMP. He's been in that role since June 2022, correct? Yes, sir. Yep. And of course, I'm Ben DuBose, news editor with the AMP Publications team. This is a special AMP interview. I know some of the things that you deal with, Greg, were put in place before you took this role in June 2022. As you mentioned, these conferences are years in the making each cycle, and some of the stuff was already in progress. We should also note that, of course, AMP 
2023 it's not the only thing you're working on there are plenty of other events and sponsorship opportunities within amp and for any of our listeners that want to learn more just go to amp.org you can check out our event page all sorts of opportunities at the amp website and you can see what we have going on the event in 2023 in denver Certainly a big one in March, but it's not the only thing we have going on. So I strongly encourage you to check out the website for all the resources that AMP has to offer and hopefully can be of assistance to you in your career. As far as the event in March, though, which is definitely the flagship, I know that's been a focal point for you these last six months and really the next three leading up to the actual event, which begins March 19th in Denver. What are some of the things you're working on besides the we talked already about some of the technical components of this and what's going to be offered in terms of the programming. What else is new logistically in terms of 2023? What are some of the factors that are perhaps going to be different this year compared to the 2022 cycle? And I suppose what people were used to pre COVID when these, well, of course we didn't have AMP, but people, you know, they had their SSBC shows, they had their NACE shows. What's going to be new in the 2023 cycle that, that people need to get ready for? Yeah, I think the biggest thing are the the non-paper sessions, uh, and those should be very interactive. There'll be uh, things that, when, when you have to take the time to write the paper and it has to go through the peer-reviewed process, you know, a lot of times, you know, that's happening well in advance of the event. So these non-paper type of, of content sessions are ones that can be developed a lot closer to the event. So they can take into account things that are happening timely of nature in and around the industry. So I would say, you know, really look to those for some of the things that are happening, you know, most recently. You know, if you think about some of the the failures that happen, you know, every day we hear about some sort of a collapse or some sort of a, uh, you know, whether it's a pedestrian bridge or a, a road bridge or a sinkhole. You know, there's a lot of things that are happening on the infrastructure side of, of our world that, you know, pop up in any given day. So um, the beauty of some of these sessions that are being put together for 2023, um, you know, they may have a focal point as they're starting out. But if something happens within, uh, you know, the leading month or a couple of weeks before the event, you know, those sessions will be able to pivot. Mm-hmm and focus on those kind of topical areas. Whereas the ones that are the written papers and peer reviewed, um, you know, they kind of have to stick to the script because that's what is part of that initial symposium. So I would say that's really the biggest difference. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll also be more kind of panel in nature, conversational in nature. So I'm hopeful that we get a lot of good Q&A sessions out of that. And by no means do I want to make people think that the peer-reviewed papers are not important. They are. They're the the bread and butter. And, you know, we are a technical organization and we have a ton of subject matter experts. And those sessions are critical to the content of the conference. But what we heard in the 2022 feedback was that, you know, there are some people that are maybe not as technical in nature. Some of the craft workers, maybe Uh, some of some of the areas where people want to learn a little bit more kind of you know, not that that high level area. So we're doing our best to bring some of those types of uh, sessions in that give an overview of an industry or a vertical, or maybe it's a little bit more of a, uh, a, a deeper dive look at a particular failure from uh, an analysis standpoint that's not just highly technical in nature. Mm-hmm. So that, that those would be the things that I would say are probably most different that people ought to be on mm-hmm. the lookout for. 
I'm guessing something that could be a good different for people. The schedule should be a bit more set in 2023 than 2022, I would think, in terms of expectations. When I think back to the big events we had in the previous cycle, of course, we had the final Codings Plus in December 2021, and then we had the first annual uh, AMP annual conference, that is, in March 2022. And there were just so many shifting dynamics with COVID policies and whatnot that, of course, we did the best we could, but there was inevitably going to be a lot of turnover when it comes to you know what speakers are available what sessions are available simply because of the rules that were in place at the time and some people just logistically were not able to be there whereas this cycle it, it seems like that at least in terms of speakers and topics we should have a bit more certainty in the schedule which thus provides more value to attendees because you know and again it's not that it was ever amp's fault we're all doing the best we could in that environment but the environment at least feels a bit more stable for this cycle which potentially has benefit to the attendee right absolutely and and i got to say leslie martinez from our team did a yeoman's amount of work in 2022 and bringing that all together <laughs> there were so many moving parts and um, you know, they had some changes where, uh, you know, their director had recently resigned. And so, you know, she really stepped in and delivered on the 2022 event. And she's doing that again this year. She's bringing a lot of that together. And you're, you're absolutely right. Um, it, it is going to be more stable. And interestingly, I, I recently attended a midsize show roundtable of other similar type associations that put together events similar in size, maybe not in content, but similar in size to the one that AMP does with our annual conference. And I, I'm happy to report what we were hearing from a lot of those. There were 17 organizations re represented at that roundtable, And what we were hearing from them were that uh, they are seeing a return to pre-COVID type participation that people want to be in person, they're coming out in person. And the one thing that really surprised me was uh, pretty much across the board, most of the uh, participants there who had been doing virtual events or hybrid events because of COVID, they're moving away and going fully live. What they're hearing from their audience and their memberships are that we want to be live and in person, doing the hybrid and doing the virtual creates a lot of challenges, it's costly and it hasn't really created the value for folks. So um, I, I think as a result of a lot of that, we are going to see more stability and more of a return to what we saw before the, the pandemic. That's a really good point. I mean, it should make for a more stable program, but it should also make for a better user experience in areas beyond simply the program itself, because simply, you know, even earlier this year, there were a lot of people who, for various reasons, maybe it was their own choices, maybe it was policies, who were a bit more COVID hesitant, whereas in 2023, there's just a bigger pool of people to go, period, which hopefully makes for a better overall experience for people that go to the event. One of the other things that I know people are aware of and we talk about it constantly in the industry there's so many supply chain pressures you're seeing so many inflationary pressures we hear it all the time talking to people out in the field your contractors your manufacturers people in all segments of the industry and unfortunately those of us at amp i mean we're dealing with our own inflationary pressures as well so how does that tie in with this current cycle and what are some of the things that you know that we're trying to do to provide more value in that environment sure yeah that, that's a great question and a great point and and it's been interesting because coming into the role in june 
uh, obviously you want to take stock of what you have and make an assessment. And so one of the first things that I did was take a look at some benchmarking and, you know, where are we at in terms of our costs and our revenues and our pricing and all those things. And uh, one of the things that I was pretty surprised to learn that uh, two, 2019 was like was the last year before the pandemic that you could really kind of use as a baseline. Right. 2020 and 2021 were kind of anomalies and kind of hard to look at. So really, when you look at 2019 and 2022, that's where the real baseline is that you can do a pretty good apples to apples comparison. Mm -hmm. And I was stunned. Uh, number one, expense wise from 2019 to 2022, we went up 34%. It was over a million dollars, almost $1.1 million. And when you look at where those increases came from, it was from vendors and outside services, things like uh, exhibit uh, decorators and contractors, uh, the the uh, the catering, the audio and visual, the shipping, the printing, all those types of things. And the events industry is one that's really reliant on local labor. And so when we go to a lot of these local venues, a big part of that increase was because our vendors who have to hire seasonal help for when shows are in their cities, they're now having to go to temporary agencies and it's costing them much more to get the labor. So a lot of the bartenders and a lot of the servers on the catering side of things or some of the labor that would help with the booth setups and the pipe and the drape setups, um, they're having to go to temp agencies. And so, you know, those costs get passed along. So that makes it a, a challenge. But the other thing that was surprising was as we did some benchmarking and we looked at other industry events, uh, some that are in, in our world, some that are kind of sort of, but not really, but, um, you know, American Petroleum Institute and ASNI who does the Mega Rust event and ASM International who does a variety of events, Department of Defense events, uh, National Insulation Association that I mentioned previously and, and SAE International. Um, what we came to find is that on average, we were anywhere from $225 to $505 below the average cost of those benchmark events. So while our costs were going up 34% from 2019 to 2022, our registration rates had only gone up 3%. And it doesn't take Einstein to figure out that that math is not going to allow you to be sustainable right. with your product area. So we did have to make some pricing adjustments. Uh, and what we did was we just took ourselves right into that, putting us in that average ballpark with, with the benchmark company. So um, th the reality is, is that, you know, the inflationary things that we'll see for 2023, we didn't really factor that into the pricing. We just wanted to get into that middle part of being average in the, the benchmarking. So that's where we're at. So, um, you know, people will see that, uh, you know, price increase when they go to register. But we we had our first kind of benchmark moment earlier this week where we took a look at uh, the early registrations. And it is very early, but um, we were tracking almost double ahead. I, I was pleased to see that uh, on the full conference registration rate, which is, you know, the one that is most impacted by uh, folks in terms of, you know, that that's always been traditionally the most expensive registration rate. But uh, this time last year we had, I think it was 54 or 56 registrants and, and this year we're sitting at about 96 or 98. So that's tracking a little ahead. I, I wish I could tell you it's a trend, but it's only the first report. So, you know, we'll certainly uh, be mindful of that. But the one thing that stood out is, is that for that being 225 to $500 different and uh, or down 
our event is a five-day event. So we have five days of con content. And the other benchmarking events we were looking at were anywhere from two to three days. Uh, the other thing that we saw is that we do provide for those full conference registrants the full conference proceedings, which is effectively about a $1,600 value. So with the full conference registration, you're getting all the papers. As I mentioned this year, it's in the neighborhood of 620 papers. Um, so we're providing a lot of value there, but we were on the, the lower end of the average price. So we brought that up. Um, you know, we're not looking to continue to do that, but quite honest, honestly, um, the legacy organizations weren't good about making minor adjustments as things went along. They kind of went, went and, and made one fell swoop at a time. So I think looking forward, we probably have to do a better job of just making smaller adjustments as we mm -hmm. go. Um, so that's something that me and my team are going to have to take a look at. But we're certainly feeling the pinch like a lot of others on the, on that supply chain. And I could tell you when I came into the role in June of 2020, I certainly wasn't looking to come in and say, hey, I want to go in there and raise prices and, mm -hmm. you know, things of that nature. But, you know, it, it's part of the world that we live in right now. Yeah. And I think people should be able to understand that because, again, it, no matter your business, I think you're feeling that on some level. And I think the important thing to keep in mind is that, you know, it's just the other side of the same coin, even if, yeah. you know, we're not actually a contractor out in the field or a particular vendor. Look, we're not immune to these same pressures that are going on out in the field. I mean, the workforce challenges are workforce challenges and the cost of things are what they are. And so even if it's a different kind of business at the same time, I think we're sort of all in this together in terms of, you know, supply chain inflation that's going to affect you know, not just a sliver of the industry, that's going to affect really the economy across the board. And unfortunately, AMP is not immune to that. But thankfully, to this point, it sounds like people have been fairly understanding and are, you know, adjusting to the reality that this is just the environment uh, that we're in. And we'll see where this goes moving forward. Yeah, as far and, as... And the one, one thing I'll just add, add to that is, and really what, what me and my team have been talking about is it, it has made us really understand that you know, we're asking our members and our customers to invest into coming to these events. And so we have to be mindful that that there's the value there. And so in everything that we're doing, that's what we're talking about is that, you know, if, if our members are putting their hard earned money down to come to these conferences, we have to do everything in our power to make sure that we create that value. And we do have a, a conference conference and events program committee that reports to the AMP Global Center Board of Directors. And so we are working closely with the chair and the vice chair and all the members of that committee to really help them help us identify what are those content areas that are most important to our members that are going to help bring that value. So as we go forward, that's going to really be the focal point of paying attention to what the, the members say in terms of what's the content that's of most value and is going to compel people to want to be there and who are the companies and the individuals that they would like to, to hear from and see on the podium. So as we wind down this interview and look forward to the three months leading up to the big event in Denver, March 2023, what are some of the key dates that members or really anyone in the corrosion control or protective coatings industry that may be listening should know as we're recording this in december i know the advanced registration period is open i know there's a housing window just what are some of the key dates that people should be mindful of as these upcoming weeks progress yeah if people take one thing away from this today on the dates it's january 19th that's when the advanced pricing registration changes and and then the uh, prices go to the regular rate so i would say make sure that you register by january 19th 
the housing deadline is probably in a similar time frame there. So uh, it, it actually probably is a little longer, but uh, when you're making your registration, get that hotel in as well and, and take care of that. But the other dates, we, we will be going to print with our advanced program uh, in that end of January, early February timeframe. Uh, again, because of the supply chain issues, you know, and shipping and whatnot. Um, so we're working closely with all of our organizers and all of our staff colleagues to make sure that we get all the latest and greatest in there. Um, so, so those deadlines will be coming up. Um, and then certainly um, after that deadline passes, we'll make sure we update the conference app. So the latest and greatest will be there as well. But I, I would say January 19th, that's where the real focus is. Yep. Uh, meet that deadline and everybody should be good to go. Yep. And of course, if you want specifics further than what Greg just provided, you can just go to amp.org and you can pretty easily find all the key dates there. Greg, before we sign off, any last words for our audience? If someone's on the fence about whether this is the year to attend, uh, what's your sales pitch to them? What's your hook? Yeah, I, I the one thing that I've noticed about the, the AMP communities is when you go to an AMP event, it is like a reunion. And you do see a lot of people who know each other and it's been a while since they've, they've seen each other. And just leading up to this year, we had the, the Central Conference, we had the Eastern Conference, we had our Standards Technology Exchange. I was at all those events and I, I saw a similar look and feel for all of them. People really happy to be connected. So I would say, you know, if you haven't seen your good friends and colleagues that you're used to seeing at the, the AMP events, that, you know, that that's a definite reason to want to be there. Lots of good networking. We've got a really strong exhibit, a lot of good hands-on displays, equipment displays uh, that supplement the technical program. David Briley and his team, JP Velasquez and Elena Blanco, they've been doing a great job to take care of those folks. So uh, definitely want to get to see them. And uh, again, uh, on the sponsorship side, a lot of good fun sponsorships. The Dairyland Lounge sponsorship is back again this year. And so uh, Tiffany Krevix and Sherry uh, McCaskey have been doing a good job on that one as well. So lots of good things going on there. I guess the last thing that I would mention is uh, we do have a keynote with Terry Bradshaw. And, um, you know, he's he's a real character. I'm based in Pittsburgh. So for me, it's a thrill. I didn't have anything to do with that. I don't want people to think, hey, put a Pittsburgh guy here and they're bringing in Terry <laughs> Bradshaw. That was that was done before I had gotten on board. But I am excited for that. He he's a unique person and he's been through a lot and he has a, a pretty good story to share and a good story to tell. And uh, my experience has been the keynotes for AMP events have always been outstanding. So I'm sure that's going to be another one this year. Good stuff. And I suspect strongly suspect, especially those in the Pittsburgh area, but really everyone that's coming next March to Denver is looking forward to that. I think Terry is very engaging as a keynote speaker. I think his advice can apply across a number of businesses and really the entire event. It should be really fun. I know last year it was great to get back together, but I think 2023 might be the first really pre-pandemic norm, if you will. Uh, you want to go back to 2018, 2019. And of course, back then we weren't even merged. So I guess it's not even, you know, a, a pre-pandemic norm because it's going to be for AMP, you know, it's the first time. So this should Absolutely. be something really, really exciting. It, it is. And I, and I think the one thing I would say to people who, you know, whether you've been to the events before or you've not been, um, you know, whatever has or hasn't happened in the past. I mean, you know, I, I can't do anything about that because I wasn't there. But what I will say is, you know, the team is focused on providing value. So, you know, what you like, let us know. What you don't like, let us know. We want to hear the feedback and we're going to do everything we can to address it. 
We know we won't be able to do it all at one fell swoop, but you know we are going to listen to the customer and let the customer be the guide. So uh, you know, I, I know I I haven't met a lot of the the members. Uh, it, you know, I'm I'm kind of I, I was with I came to the organization in 2018, so a lot of people maybe don't know me. But if you see me at the event, I'd, I'd be happy to talk to you and hear what you think and uh, want to partner and and collaborate with people if they want to volunteer to get involved in supporting some of the task forces and some of the initiatives under our conferences and events program committee would happy to have them involved in, in helping us to shape the future where we go to bring value to our members. Awesome. Yeah. Folks, he is Gregory Muha, Director of Conferences, Exhibits and Sponsorships at AMP. I am Ben DuBose, News Editor with the AMP Publications team. We thank you so much for listening and please come back soon for another new AMP podcast.